Hi, everyone, and we welcome you into Panthers Pathway here on the Pit Talk Network, a part of the Fan First Sports Network. I'm Austin Bechtel, pleased to be joined alongside Christopher Carter, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, covers the Panthers on a daily basis, does a fantastic job of it. Chris, what's up? What's up, Austin? Glad to be on the show. Thanks for having me, sir. We've certainly had some good times in our uh, March Madness travels together, so it's awesome to talk some football with you. Yes, sir. Very excited for it, and a very exciting win for the Panthers after only having one victory on the season against an FCS opponent that we all know is pretty inferior to the Panthers compared to everybody else that Pitt suited up against this year. Number 14 Louisville came into town off a emotional, fantastic win against Notre Dame, number 10 Notre Dame at home, Jack Harlow in attendance, a ton of different fanatics, a ton of things going on in Louisville for that win. And it just seemed like all the momentum was on Louisville's side coming into the game. And for Pitt, making a quarterback change, Christian Veyer now suiting up for Pitt, Phil Dracovic, now the third-string quarterback. It seemed like this was Louisville's game to go in there and really beat Pitt by double digits. But the Panthers are the ones that locked in and won the game by 17. Yeah. It was it was it was a it was a big win, huge win. Can't say enough about it for the Panthers. Um, but Austin, this is something that I've been saying for a while. Like I was waiting for when Pitt would have this win, right? Like yeah. this is a very very much a Pat Narduzzi a Pitt win when when everything else has gone wrong and their backs are in the in the corner. They may take a couple haymaker shots, but they're going to come out firing and laying one one of them in return. And the question now is going to be Austin: Can they build off of that? Can they combinate? Can they keep? Can they keep those punches flowing can they can they build off it against a wake forest team that's very beatable in, in this upcoming game um if they do it's going to spark a very interesting conversation in the acc because pitt you know was very much out of it at one and four but then when you upset the number 14 team in the country that is oh okay maybe that maybe there's something there you have a major personnel change of quarterback and uh you're trying to you're you're, you're getting a little bit healthier in, in different regards um you know as 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 guys start to come back for you you look at those situations and you think man like this uh the, you know this pit football team if they can pull off a few more upsets and I, I said i said going into this this stretch before the louisville game they needed to steal at least one of those games against the, those those three ranked teams uh of course those being louisville florida state and uh notre dame and uh duke i know is is, is in this conversation but i think duke's going to fall out uh, with with their with their injuries that they've that they've suffered, but yeah. they need to win one of those three games and then handle the rest of their business against everyone else to go to get to become to have a shot to become bowl eligible. This is the first step of that. They beat one. They beat one of those teams now. Now can they stack on that? They every one of these games now is is a must win game if they want to be bowl eligible and keep this season afloat after the really rough start. But really encouraged by a lot of things that we saw in this game. I wrote after the Virginia Tech loss for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. The way that they lost was a complete loss of identity. They didn't have, they they, they, they didn't, they, even, even when Pat Narduzzi's teams lost in some of their roughest games and some of the roughest years, they would run the ball. They would stop the run. They'd get after the quarterback, but you may shred them through the air. They may not pass the best. They may not, they may not have the, the offensive explosiveness. And, 
that was uh, like that wasn't the case at all in Virginia Tech. They were run over. They could they couldn't stop the run. They couldn't run the ball consistently. They were relying on big plays to just kind of get get them all their points. And that's not the identity that you want to be if you're if you're pit football. But they got that identity back against Louisville because Louisville is a team that could be physical, that could move you and run and run you over. That they didn't do that on offense. And then Pitt's run game it wasn't dominant. But it was present there, and that allowed for a balanced opportunity for Christian Bayer to come in, just make some make some big bigger throws deep down the field. Not have to he doesn't have to be a surgeon; just has to give his receivers chances to make plays on one on one go balls and and situations like that. I think that's the formula that Pitt's trying to win with this year. That's what they wanted to win with the Phil Jakovic. It didn't work out that way, and now they have a chance if they can if they can grasp that type that style of play. That could be the factor that, that that does handle business the rest of their way here in the ACC, win them their winnable contests, and get them back into the bowl conversation. Yeah, and it really started to get Christian Veyer going a little bit. What did you think of his overall performance in his first start? I, I thought he did what he was supposed to do. I thought he he gave his guys shots on the deep balls. I thought he was... Um, you know, he avoided making the crushing mistake, which is so important in this game. You know, I, I think people that were really excited, you know, look at look at his numbers and say, OK, he, he completed less than 50 percent of his throws. You know, he wasn't seeing the field, you know, all over the place. He wasn't diagnosing every single coverage and how it counteracted with the, with the underneath concepts that Pitt had to exploit those different coverages. But what he was doing was when he got the shots. To, to throw the deep ball he was giving his guys a good chance to catch those deep balls and they he completed it's he with his completion percentage i believe jumped from 46 percent to 62 percent when the ball had to travel 10 more than 10 yards beyond the line of scrimmage that's a good sign that his arm is healthy that's a good sign that he he believes in his arm that's a good sign that his receivers are able to make plays and that's something that this offense i think has had this whole time and that's why it was really disappointing about phil Jakovic. pitt's receivers aren't bad like i think they're actually good i, I like bub means as a receiver i like Kanate mumfield i like kenny johnson dejon reynolds they, they they have they have depth there that i think is, is very usable uh you know and then you can't say enough about gavin bartholomew and i honestly think that, that that's another part of this offense that's highly into use carter johnson is a good number two tight end malcolm epps i think is is a is a very unused number three tight end this team should be doing much better in the air. Christian Veyer doing the basics is what you want for his first start. I still think they should try to keep it simple in this next game. The rest of this year is about seeing if Christian Veyer can be the guy next year and seeing if, if, if he can build off, uh, build off of that. So they've gotten some of those shot plays. Keep things simple for him against Wake Forest. Maybe add in a few more wrinkles, but – don't change up your formula. Don't try to make him a guy that's attacking teams horizontally. Let him use his strong arm and attack vertically. Yeah, and it's not like you have to completely take the training wheels off at this point. It's kind of a buildup, really, at least in my mind, to Notre Dame, Florida State. Get him ready for those games. Obviously not look past any of the other opponents right. that you're going up against. But Pitt has not won a game on the road so far this year and only two opportunities. And the chance to be able to put Vayer on the road against the Wake Forest team that is subpar. I'm sure Wake Forest is looking at it as if Pitt is a subpar team as well. But this is a different Panthers team right now. I know it was only one game the Louisville win, but this is a different team compared to the start of the year, let's say the West Virginia game or the North Carolina game, right? Not not by too many regards, but it is a little bit different. It's, it's different because – 
at the beginning of the year, West Virginia was a team that you looked at and you said, okay, this Pitt team should, if it does what it's supposed to do, they should beat they they should beat that team. Now Pitt has not done what they're supposed to do no. for four of their four of their six games. And when you're when you when you play at that at that level, there are there are no teams that you should look at and say, oh yeah, that's a W. And I think that that Pitt has Pitt has kind of lost that that ability, you know, to to look at that honestly as an analyst or a writer and and say, okay, yeah, this, this is just going to be a win going into that contest unless they had another Wofford on the schedule. Um but like I, I still say, I know West Virginia is what four and two and everything. I still say if Pitt just gets reasonable quarterback play in that game, they walk over the Mountaineers. They 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 are in so, they're in such a better position. Phil Dracovic killed them in in that game, and that is on again on Pat Narduzzi and his coaching staff for not making that adjustment mid game. And West Virginia de- deserves credit for for not letting their foot off their their foot off Pitt's neck in that game. But if Christian Veyer starts that game, they probably win. If Christian Veyer starts against Cincinnati, they probably win that game. If Christian Veyer uh, starts against uh, Virginia Tech, I think they, they have a chance to win that game. I don't think there's any chance they were winning North Carolina. The way Drake May was playing was just lights out in that, situ- in that situation. And Phil actually even looked good in the first half uh, considering what was going on. But I just I look at how this season has gone. There's a real opportunity uh, for Christian Veyer to build. Um, and for this team to to believe in itself, and it has a lot of young players, an offensive line that's had to get a, 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 almost a, a new full starting unit every single week. Uh, a lot of young players being involved in that. A lot of young players being involved on defense. Guys that are going to be back. Um, you know, a lot of young guys becoming playmakers in the in the offense. You know, we've talked about Mumfield. He's a junior, and he he has another year of eligibility that he could that he could be using. Uh, Kenny Johnson and what he's been put putting up. There's there's a lot of potential here for this team to grow, and then have a lot of leaders who went through the rough times of this year to set the standard for next year and say, hey, we're not coming out the gates slow. We're coming out the gates focused, and we're gonna we're gonna be a much better team. You know, we know that Christian Veyer is a better quarterback than Phil Dracovic is might not be putting this in the best words, but in what areas does he significantly help the Panthers at the quarterback position compared to what Phil was giving them? I think he just has a stronger arm right now. And I think this is, this is the unfortunate part about Phil Dracovic's situation. Phil Dracovic's arm, even just a couple of years ago was fabulous. He could, he could, he could stand, he could stand on his own 20 and probably hit the and hit probably hit the other the other ten without without much issue. I I, I remember I covered him playing Pitt when he was at Boston College back in 2020 during the pandemic season. And at Boston College, I saw that man on the run just launch a laser like 50 yards downfield effortlessly, and I was like, whoa, I, that looks like a young Big Ben type of arm. And that's what Pitt thought they were going to get. And I think that's where that's where they they were they were banking on. They were like, hey, beyond beyond any um you know, uh, beyond any cerebral parts of his game, beyond anything else, his experience, they were going to get that cannon of an arm and they just didn't. And there were so many times that the ball fluttered out of his hands, didn't zip into it, zip to his opponent. And I think missing that Phil isn't, he isn't cerebral enough of the quarterback to make up for not having that. And I think that's what came back to bite him. And that's what, that's where he struggled at. Whereas Christian Bayer, Christian is still young and figuring out, what he's what kind of quarterback he he wants to be. He's figuring out how how different you know how different concepts and different looks counter what defenses are do are, are trying to take away from him. That's going to be a, a process and learning. But where Christian has ha, has it, he has the cannon arm. 
Go back. A lot of people want to look at the deep back shoulder ball that he threw to Kenny Johnson or the deep ball he threw to Bob Means or the deep ball he threw to Kanate Mumfield. There was a second down, I think it's second and 10, where he completed a 13-yard pass to Bob Means over the middle. It was just it was just a you know just a pass over the middle. I think it was like an in route or something like that. But that's probably the throw that I was like, whoa, wait a second, look at that arm. If you go back and there's a replay angle from behind the quarterback that you can kind of see kind of what he was looking at. When Bub Means breaks to the inside, the, the trailing defender is like right on his back. But there are two linebackers sitting in the passing lane. Like, like I think it's a mistake that they were there at the same time because you, normally you, you just want one guy there. But Christian Veyer fires this pass, and it goes right past both of them. And, like, they had they didn't even have time to react. They were like – and it was just – it froze them. And it was right that's how needle. strong of a throw it was. And it was on the money that Bub Means he caught it first down pit. I think it was second quarter, I want to say, but it was like a second and 10 play. I remember, I know, I remember that much. That's what I was like. Oh, oh okay. So, so this, this kid do got, do got that kind of cannon on him that he can even use that on, you know, intermediate passes, just firing lasers. That's where I think, that's where I think Christian Bayer brings something real to the table. And if he does progress mentally, if he can progress cerebrally as a, as a thinking quarterback, develop relationships with his receivers, learn how to put the ball in different spots and keep his mechanics improving to shorten up his his uh, his, his, his start to end time and his throw, I think that he could uh, he could be something real special for a bit. And it helped that the Panthers won the battle in the trenches and can try to take that momentum now into Wake Forest. The offensive line protected there. And the defensive line, eight tackles for loss, four sacks, really got after it for the first time this year and provided the most pressure against Plummer compared to any opposing quarterback that Pitt has faced. And part of that was also the formula that Pitt had been talking about, right? You know, they, they said, hey, we got to stop the run to to get after the quarterback. We got to keep we got to force them into third and longs so that our guys can pin their ears back and make those plays. And some of them weren't third and longs, but also second and longs. Like Samuel Okunlola, he was able to he was able to get after his man because his quarterback was looking further downfield and waiting for routes to process. That gave him the extra second. He was able to hit him, put his foot, put his hand on the football, recover it, uh, and 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 make things happen there. Um, I think I've said this all along. I think Pitt's defense still has a lot of potential to be one of the better units in the ACC. Um, they haven't been that through, you know, through five five games. I think that this sixth game was a, a, a wake up call to how they need to be playing again. I don't know if they'll consistently play that way the rest of the way here, but I do think that they, you know, the secondary, they have the talent, the linebackers, they have the talent, the defensive line, they have the talent. They just got to put it together. They got to play on the same level. And I think that also when you have an offense that isn't struggling as much as Pitt's offense struggled in their for, in the first four games after Wofford, I think that that's going to put the defense in better positions to make those plays. How do you feel MJ Devonshire played? Obviously with the pick six being the main highlight of it in a critical position when Louisville was driving. Pretty much one of the plays of the game, you'd say? Was that the, was that the turning point, really, for Pitt defensively? It was the exclamation point. Um, because both those interceptions, his and AJ Woods happened in, in their own in, in like their own territory while Wake Forest was driving. And that that interception uh was and that interception was also partially because of I believe it was Solomon DeShields. Uh Wake Forest tried to do a rub route I- I- underneath, and when they did that, I, I think it was DeShields who basically like 
blew it up. Like they tried to run into him and he was like, Oh no, run into me. Come on. And, and when he, when he did that, he kind of like bounced off. Like they went into the block him and he bounced them off. And so that's why the referees didn't call for it. And in fact, Louisville's quarterback was like, that's pass interference. They hit our guy. And they were like, no, you you, his, your guy tried to either hit them and he protected himself. And when he did that, that kind of threw off the rhythm of the play. And that allowed for and that forced a bad pass. And that's where the MJ Devonshire made the big play there. But he also was huge all throughout this game. Early on, like in the first half, I was like, man, Pitt's cornerbacks are struggling. And they were getting there, they were making mistakes, they were missing tackles, they were getting they were getting thrown at. Um, you know, things things weren't happening in their favor. But then that second half, they looked like the pit cornerbacks that we've been waiting to see all season long. Not only did, did uh, MJ have his his pick six, but he had five pass breakups. That's insane. That means they kept going after him, and he kept blocking it down. AJ Woods looked good with his inter- with his interception. Also looked good and covered. Marquez Williams looked good and covered. I think they had totaled an eight oh, eight pass breakups on the night. Teams are going to go after those corners. That's what's just the, with the nature of Pitt's defense is that they put those guys on islands and they expect them to win. But when they win like that. You set you set the tone for your defense to have a very good night and to feed off that energy and for your offense to feed off that energy when you get them the ball back. So I think MJ Devonshire played great. Maybe his not not maybe his definitely his best game of the year so far. Um, maybe his best game as a Pitt Panther. I know that may be crazy to say for people who remember the pick six against West Virginia, but just thinking about all the pass breakups he had in this one, I think this was maybe his most complete performance and one that NFL scouts might even be looking at and saying, hey, what's up with that guy? Uh, he's he's from Aliquippa, right? Um, yeah. So uh, just looking at that, I think that MJ had a, had a great job. I also think that the rest of the defense had really good. Another guy that I think goes unsung in this game is Solomon DeShields, not just for that moment, but there were plenty of plays where he was bringing pressure on the quarterback. He was helping against the run. He was all over the place. I think Solomon DeShields uh, has found his footing as a major player for the Pitt defense. And pretty cool when Darrell Revis is there and able to watch and see the mm-hmm. MJ Devonshire interception as well. All right, so Wake Forest. What do you see overall from this team? What should the Panthers expect? And what do you think the game plan should be for Pitt on both sides of the ball? Well, one thing that Wake Forest still has, even from its its ACC championship game with, with, with Pitt, is they still have that RPO offense where they're going to try to make things simple on the quarterback by by saying, hey, if it's there, just hand it off. If not, pull it, and then, and then you can either run or you have these two reads right here. Pitt used to really struggle with RPOs. They used to used to be the bane of their defense because it would freeze their guys in the middle and it would force their guys on on islands to live on those islands for a bit longer and then uh and then that led to problems. And even in that that, that first half, the first quarter of that game, the Wake Forest put up I think uh 21 points and it was like man, this is going to be a shootout. Luckily Pitt for Pitt, they had Kenny Pickett that that day and he responded in kind with his own 21 points. But in the second, third and fourth quarters, Pitt's defense realized, "Oh yeah, we we're going to stop falling for the for the RPO. We're just going to play aggressive. We're going to we're going to we're going to attack every play." And Sam Hartman who now uh, is the quarterback for Notre Dame, he was just overwhelmed. And I like Sam Hartman as a quarterback. I think he's tough. I think he's gritty. I think he's a good leader. But that day, he he was seeing ghosts, and he he was hit he was hit so hard he didn't understand where to go. That's where Pitt needs to do to Wake Forest. They need to not back off when the RPO is coming. Don't care. Hit the quarterback. Hit the running back. They do it. Do what you got to do. They're going to hit on some big plays. 
you be the be the big play machine. You go go after them and do that. And this is a, this is a, a Wake Forest offense that you're going to have to you know honor some different things that they do right. Demond Claiborne's their running back. Uh, he's got oh he's got. Uh, 375 yards on the ground, three touchdowns. He's going to be the guy that they're that they're going to be handing the ball off to there. Uh, Mitch Griffiths Griff is, is their is their quarterback. He's a guy who has nine touchdowns, six interceptions. Uh, not entire, not not entirely elite there. Keep the game in front of you. Don't give up the big plays. And when you get the chance, force those turnovers. That's what this pit defense is all about. Uh, Pat Narduzzi, I think that was his 40th win in his career when Pitt has won the turnover battle. And I think he only has four losses whenever Pitt wins a turnover battle in a, in a contest or something like that. I have to go back over my notes because uh, I, I talked about that a couple of weeks ago. But um, I really think that if, if Pitt – if Pitt does its job in, in containing the RPO offense and getting after the quarterback and creating those turnovers and Christian Bayer just does his job of hit on a couple shot plays, don't turn the ball over, this, this, this game plan falls right into the hands of Pitt and gives them a very good chance to win. Wake Forest has not won a conference game, has lost three games in a row, and lost last week to Virginia Tech, a Virginia Tech team that in two conference, two conference wins for the Hokies against Wake Forest, and against Pitt. Two quick questions for you, Carter, sure. before I go more into the running back situation. One, how many times will Phil Dracovic be shown on the broadcast over under one and a half as, as spotlighted and talked about? Oh, um, hmm, good question. I, I, I feel like... I feel like you know college broadcasts are, are one of the trickier things because sometimes they have they need to find they want to find different things to talk about. I'll take the over on that one one and a half. I think that they'll they'll bring up because you know as we've reported here at the Post Gazette, my, my partner Noah Heil said it. You know he's he's looking to be a tight end. It, it, you know there I think that there's a lot of commendations that that, that go to that. Um, so, but I also think that the, that a lot of the broadcast is going to go right to the fact that Bayer's taken over, and if Bayer's good. They're gonna they're gonna be focusing on that part of things now. Phil Jakovic is being very supportive on the sidelines. That's visible. I mean, Phil Jakovic's been supportive. That's the other thing I want to say that he hasn't. But like I'm saying, if the TV broadcast can like see him being there, be you know help helping Bayer, you know after after plays, he'll get on TV for that, and that'll be something that he definitely talk about. All right, bonus to that. Will Phil Jakovic catch a pass this year? <laughs> yes, I, I know, and I b- believe this in our heart of hearts that there is going to be a game. Maybe against Notre Dame, maybe against Boston College, particularly because those are his, his former teams, where they're gonna bring out Phil Dracovic in a package, and it's gonna be like a screen, or it's gonna be like a double pass, or a, a pass to the flat, and they're gonna try to get him the ball to get him a catch and to see what see what he's got there. Um, they they like Phil, like they, even the t- even his teammates now. On, on on the like you know on the team they they like Phil they don't they they like no one, no one's like saying like thank God we got that guy out of there you know they're saying hey you know what we we recognize we needed to change but everyone appreciates Phil and the effort that he brings and have has a ton of respect for that guy I have a ton of respect for Phil I think he's handled this professional I think you know the boo comments you know were were the boo comments I th- I thought that they I wouldn't have made them but I also understood where he was coming from uh, but. Everything else, as far as handling how how this is going, I think he's handled it with like a professional. He's kept his head up, um, and uh, I, I think it's a lot. He could have he could have packed his bags and said, "You know what? I'm just done. I'm not dealing with this anymore." But no, he's sticking with his team, sticking with his brothers, and he's and he's he's learning a new position. Um, even when he was brought here to be the star quarterback of this team this year, so kudos to to Phil Dracovic there. 
100%. I think he catches a pass as well. Will we see the fake slide on the broadcast? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You know, this is this is something that they, they this I mean, this was a this was a huge matchup in the ACC Championship both teams. I mean, that, that that game is still one of the biggest ACC games that people could call back to because again, it's it Kenny Pickett that in in that game broke Deshaun Watson's ACC scoring records. I like, you know, he was, he, he finished, he capped off a big year. That was the year that kind of built the legend of Kenny Pickett uh, to the national audience who might not have been as familiar with him when they saw the fake slide. So I guarantee you they see the fake slide at least twice. What do you think overall of the running backs and how they're being deployed? Rodney Hammond, Rosino Otisibo, Flemister. Do you think this is a way Pitt wants to go about it? Because at the beginning of the year coming into it, you know, going back to last year, Izzy Abanacanda was the guy, but Rodney Hamlin supplemented him here and there sparingly. Kind of expected it to be the case for Hammond to be the main featured back, but would you say it's somewhat a similar role as last year? I'd say probably not because when it was Izzy running for 300 yards in a game or just being the number one guy that you knew it was established, he was the guy that opponents needed to circle on the depth chart. It doesn't well, seem I mean, like that's the case anymore. There, there isn't a running back like that right now. The, the, the highest average per game rushing right now is Rodney Hammond with 41 yards. I never thought that that would happen. Like, like, like 41 yards per game for a pit running back. That's that. That's crazy. Um, you know, and, and part of it is they've tried this rotation with Hammond and Flemister and Carter, um, you know, and they've been trying to balance things on offense, but, but I'm right with you. Like I thought Rodney Hammond jr. Would get a lot more uses than he has. Um, but I'll, I'll I'll share with you this interaction that I had with uh, running back coach Andre Powell when I talked about Rodney. I, I call I, I compared him to a power back. I said like, hey, like last year when Izzy Abanacanda brought the speed, Rodney Hammond changed change up the pace, and he was kind of the guy that could close out games for you. It's like is is he is he a guy who can be a power back for you guys and help you grind down opponents as games wear wear on? And Andre Powell looks at me and he says, "Let me ask you this." What makes you what makes you think he's a power back? Like what makes you think that he can last a whole game doing that? And I was like, uh, I mean, he did that a few times last year. He's like, when? And I, I, I blanked in the moment. Noah remembered Syracuse when he did do it uh, in that game. But also, he did it against UCLA in the Sun Bowl. Uh, Syracuse, he had 120 yards on 20 carries. Uh, the Sun Bowl, he didn't like you know have that many yards and carries, but he was a big force for them. And I, it seemed to me like when he, when he when Andre and when Andre was those numbers were brought up to Andre, he was like, "Well, you know, it's just that's last year." And I'm like, "Well, wait a second, you you said when he he did it," and I'm like, "He did it then." So um, to me, that signaled like I think Pitt wants to see more from Rodney Hammond. I think that Pitt doesn't like, I think that the coaches are trying to pull more out of him before he becomes a true RB one. We live off of you in this offense, running the ball consistently throughout a game. And that's why Sebo Flemish is going to, going to get more carries like that. It sounds like a lack of confidence. It really does. It does. I think it is. I, I think it, it's 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 a lack of confidence in him to be the 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 bell cow running back like they were thinking he would be. And I, I think it's uh, it's a big question as far as how do they want to play with this with this offense moving forward? Because again, with Vayer, you're you're not you're not at, you don't want Vayer throwing forty times a game. You want him throwing twenty five th- times a game with about ten of those balls being his deep passes, right? And if you if you have that pace. To have that pace, that means you got to be running the football and running the football well. And the offensive line is one thing, but the running back room, 
I, I think that Pitt needs to find its rhythm there. And I think Sebo Flemister is doing a heck of a job. I think that he is he he is he has really come on. Rodney Hammond even said, like, hey, when he's on the field, it's like me being on the field. So like, like you know, we have full confidence in, in each other. But certainly Pitt misses the the superstar power that Israel Abana can bent. I brought I I, t- I said p- to people last year, I'm like, that dude's a superstar and he's not gonna be easy to replace. But I thought Rodney Hammond would be given more of an opportunity to replace that load just by feeding him more than the 57 times he's been asked to tote the ball so far. Joined by Christopher Carter of the Post-Gazette here on Panthers Pathway. All right, who wins and why? Do the Panthers win two games in a row, first winning streak of the season? I got I got Pittwood in this one. I, I think that they have found something on defense and on offense that'll allow them to win on the road in this game. I, I think that they'll get out. I think the RPO will get them a couple times in this game, freeze them up and and, and make some plays because this is also a very much a new team from that 2021 ACC championship game. There's not as many, there's that there's not even that, that, that many players who were on the bench in that game who are going to be playing playing in this one, but. I do think that they get after the quarterback in this game. I think that they they kind of pick up the the pace there as far as defensively. And I think Bayer and the offense, they find some more big play opportunities and the offensive line builds a little bit more. I think that they're going to be a better collective group. I think that they're going to be getting off the ball. Um, and uh, I'll be intrigued to see who, who plays for the offensive line this week because they've had a lot of injuries. I don't know if more people are injured, less people are injured. We'll see what the heck happens there. But I think that uh, uh, you're gonna you're gonna see a more physical pit team further step into that identity, and that'll get them a win. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say thirty to eighteen. All right, unique score. Maybe some scoreagami going on, but that's yeah, I'm, 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 that's what I'm going for. I, like I'm going, like, it's a boring score, twenty-seven seventeen. I'm like, let's let's go with a fun one. Like some crazy stuff happens. Lots of field goals from Wake Forest. So yeah, we're gonna say thirty eighteen. I don't know if that's gonna be a scoreagami because I'm pretty sure that happened. That's happened in football quite a Probably. few times. But uh, but certainly I I'm just I'm going with something a little different there. But I think Pitt's offense puts points up on the board. And I think its defense also puts points up on the board. Maybe pit football score Gami. I think the Panthers won by a field goal and a game that Christian Veyer into the fourth quarter takes care of the football, lets the running game take care of it. I think it'll be the Pat Narduzzi defense who makes the ultimate stand when Pitt's up by a field goal. Just hold, hold against Wake Forest and not let their offense really amount to anything, make it inside the red zone, anything like that, to be able to allow Pitt to find a way to start trekking in the right direction in the conference and some of those sneaky teams like Wake Forest, Syracuse. I don't know if you could consider Duke at that point, but make sure that you handle business against them. And so you come up against Notre Dame and Florida State. Probably gotta gotta win one of those to become bowl eligible, you'd imagine. So Chris, where can everybody find you on socials? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Carter Critiques. You can read my work at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette covering all things Pitt. You can find me on the North Shore Drive podcast for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette as well as the Locked On Steelers podcast and on Channel 11 WPXI. I'm everywhere, Austin. That's that's part of the game, but you can see all of it where I tag all my work at, at Carter Critiques on all my social media. One of not just the good, but the great guys in all of sports you. media. Really appreciate you joining me, Carter. Thanks, Austin. Here on Panthers Pathway, the Pit Talk Network, Fan First Sports Network, Pitt, Wake Forest. Can the Panthers move to three and four overall? Two wins in a row, potentially, in the conference before a couple big games that are coming up overall for Pitt after the huge win against number 14, Louisville, 38-21 to at Acrisure Stadium. 
Wake Forest on the road at Winston-Salem, then in South Bend against Notre Dame, Florida State back at home before Syracuse game in the Bronx at Yankee Stadium, all right here on Panthers Pathway.